I tell people I'm like a turtle. I'm hard on the outside, soft on the inside, but willing to stick my neck out for you. My name's Johnny Reinhardt, and I've lived in Southwest Michigan most of my life. It's such a wonderful community full of so many great things, but the best part is the people, families, history, and especially the stories that make it great. And with every story, you have to start somewhere. This is Start From The Beginning, stories from Southwest Michigan. Welcome to another episode of Start From The Beginning. And you know when you meet somebody for the first time and you're just enthralled by them and just very intrigued with the stories that they have to tell. And it seems like you've been talking for for ages and you've been friends for ages. Well, that's how I felt when I met Joseph Taylor for the first time. And I actually met him the first time in person, well, on Zoom, Uh during this podcast. So this conversation that you're going to hear is actually our first encounter. So I love getting to know people. I love uh, talking with them and hearing their stories and getting their perspective on life. And that's what you're going to hear. And I hope that uh, you are enthralled by uh, this conversation as much as I was. So let's start from the beginning with Joseph Taylor. Welcome, Joseph. It's so nice to finally meet you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You know, it's uh, you reached out and said, "Hey, I want to, I want to be on this show. I want to, I want to tell my stories." And you were telling me a little bit before we uh, we started is that you love telling stories, and people uh, even while you're at work say, "Hey, you you should write a book or something." So I'm so glad that I get to hear more about you and and your stories. Thank you. And, and once again, thank you for having me. I heard you on the radio. Uh, someone was telling their story and I wanted to tell mine. I thought you were a great host. So I said, you know what, let me reach out and see if, if I can be a part of uh, what I consider history uh, and start from the beginning. Oh, well, thank you. That That's so nice for you to say. Well, let's start. Let's let's do that. Let's start from the beginning. Tell me, uh, you know, where were you born and raised? You know, I'm born and raised uh, Ben Charter Township. Uh, uh, actually, I came out of Vandalia. My hmm. parents were working on a farm up there, and so they moved here in 19 back here in 1971. So I was born in 1969, uh, raised for two years in Vandalia, Michigan. Uh, then they moved to Ben Charter Township uh on empire avenue where they've been ever since for the last uh, 51 years because i'm 53 years old now wow or did you farm as well or were you young enough when when uh when they were farming in vandalia were you young enough to, well, so uh, to be able to do some i was work? two years old when they moved oh. here but my parents have a small farm in ben charter township uh and so we were vegetable farmers uh, you had a small amount of black farmers in the area and we were one of them that's awesome. And so you've spent many years in the in roughly the same area. What do you love so much about Southwest Michigan? You know what I love? I love uh, I love the smell of uh, grapes in the fall, right? Ooh. I love the smell of uh, the orchards, apples, picking apples, uh, blueberries, uh, the beaches. Uh, this is this is uh, the Great Lake State, but I think where we stay, it's the greatest. So mm -hmm. Southwest Michigan is home. Uh, this is my place to be. Uh, I can't see living anywhere else. You know, you say that, and I, I, I'm the exact same way when it comes to uh, we. When I grew up uh, in, in Eau Claire, we had a, a farm. We lived on a farm, and we had grapes and 
uh, so many of those wonderful Concord grapes. And as soon as you roll down the window, right. uh, in the you know right at that that peak harvest season, you just smell that. It's, oh, there's nothing like that smell. And and being so fortunate to be in the fruit belt, uh, there's so many cool things and experiences. And I, I'm I agree with you. That's another thing that I love about Southwest Michigan. So, what what was it like growing up? uh when you were a kid um in in this area you know so my parents had 12 kids mm. oh wow six, 12 kids 12 kids six boys six girls oh, and my. and so we were raised uh in the fields i went to boyden school which is right around the corner from mm -hmm. uh where i grew up and actually where i stay because i built my house across the street from my parents um life was pretty cool with 12 kids because you had some that you like one day some that you didn't you know the other so there was always fighting and 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 love uh but we were always taught to uh be respectful and to be good students so yeah. all my siblings and you know school we were, we were pretty good students at ben harbor area schools and my parents property is right next to the house of david blueberry field oh wow so not only did i work in my field right raising uh, mm -hmm. vegetables but for school clothing i picked blueberries for my school clothing so we raised money for our clothing saved it right and we bought it before school started so we had to work for uh as kids and that taught me to be a great worker you know in the present now with 12 kids which i i still can't wrap my head around that i mean i come from a family of five boys and and people think that's that's crazy a crazy amount uh what was it like having that many siblings i mean you, you say it was it was fun and your parents did that but obviously with that many it can be it's well more than a handful well you know you better get your milk or right. your cereal before someone else does right and you better not be the last one at the table because you may miss out. So, um, but other than that, um, it, it was great because, uh, you know, it was a big close knit family uh, mm -hmm. and we all worked in the fields for our parents. So our parents, you know, this is the you pick capital. Yeah. This is what Southwestern Michigan used to be. And we would pick, for example, Crowder peas and mm -hmm. it was, uh, 650 you pick for the consumer or it, it was uh 850 we pick and my parents would give us two dollars to pick the bushel of beans that we sold so they taught us the ethic of not only work but also you know of when you work you get paid mm -hmm. so we were a part of the the business yeah wow and with 12 with 12 kids you could pick quite a lot and 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 do it pretty efficiently, especially if you all work together and to, to achieve that one goal. That's, wow, that's amazing. What's your, what's your favorite memory uh, of growing up when you were with your, whether it would be with your family, you know, maybe a, a funny story with, with you and your, your siblings or, uh, you know, just a great memory that you have of, of growing up here. You know what? One of my greatest memories was uh, riding my bicycle and, you know, we used to create like uh, jump ramps because Evil Knievel was around when I was a kid. Right. So we would put a, a take a sheet, draw a star on the back, create a cape and, you know, do jumps like Evil Knievel. So I love the uh, 
you know, that excitement. And we would also build forts and things like that. So I think the childhood was, to me, the funnest was about building and creating. And that's like what I do today, even yeah. in my work. So, you know, I grew up hands-on. And today at work, I do a lot of hands-on creation and ideation. And I think my past helped me to be what I am today in the present. Now you you say a lot of the and obviously that your your engineering uh, things you did when you were a kid brought you to do what you do today. Did your parents were they okay with you building ramps and doing stuff that you know you see stuff with evil evil Knievel's doing and that that's pretty dangerous. Did your parents worry that uh, you you would get too good at building these ramps and building these things that you might end up hurting yourself? Well, you know what? I got warned a lot. Um, and, and, you know, when we grew up, there were spankings. So sometimes you're going to get spanked for, you know, thinking outside of the box or doing things outside of the box. Mm -hmm. But my parents allowed me to be creative. Um, and so I, I would always like for birthdays, really didn't want uh, monetary funding. I wanted things like a 10 in one, 25 in one or 50 in one Radio Shack kit oh, because wow. I wanted to build electronics. Yeah. And so. I would create things, right? I had uh, chemistry sets where I would dissect frogs. I, so I, I had all kinds of things to engage my mind. And, and so they allowed us to be creative. Uh, they didn't stop that. That is awesome. Yeah, what, what's something crazy that you created when you were a kid? Uh, I mean, you, had, you told me about the ramps and stuff. Is there anything that you, you created that I guess would say, but be like your greatest achievement as a, as a, as a kid when it comes to building something? Well, you know, um, uh, in high school, I, I, I was creating some kind of unique shirts sometimes because mm -hmm. I, I ended up leaving Benton Harbor in 87 and then I went to school for fashion design, right? So oh. so I would take these shirts and I always wore dress clothes in high school. And so mm -hmm. you would see me in suits and, and dress shoes and things like that. So I think it was the creative part of not with the hands-on more so as a youth, but with with trying to make or design something to wear. Now tell me more about this fashion design. This this sounds interesting because like you said you do a lot of engineering stuff right now, but right. Where did where did the idea come about and and what happened with fashion design for you? So high school high school Joseph dressing uh, dressing for success, maybe even making some of your own clothes. What drew you to doing that? So, you know, so Having uh, 12 kids in the family, mm -hmm. you never had, you know, the designer clothing, the shoes. Sure. I remember a lot of our shoes were even from Kroger's. They used to sell, sell shoes at Kroger's, right? Oh, wow. And so you had to go to school, you know, with the cheap shoes. Um, you had the tough skin jeans, you know. So I wanted to be a, a little bit better than that because sometimes growing up, you get made fun of because you have less than some of the other kids whose parents, you know, have more, right? Mm -hmm. You know, more kids, less money, right? Sure. Less kids, maybe more money. And so when I got to the high school, I decided to become the well-dressed man. You know, that's what they call me. And and so nice. I just said, you know what, I'm gonna change it up. And so you go to the Salvation Army, you, fi you find some, some used dress clothes, right? You go get some Stacy Adams shoes or whatever. And I wore ties and, and I was pretty academically sound. So, you know, you, you dress nice and, and yeah. you're intelligent as well. So that's how it changed for me, I think, from being the kid that was kind of picked on sometimes because 
you know, we didn't have the clothing that some others had. Mm. And so I, I become, became a guy that was totally different. And yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I was always dressing nice in school because of it. Yeah, yeah. Usually if you get the hand-me-downs, yeah, you have to get creative and yeah. and you hope that, I mean, I had older brothers. I'm the youngest of the five, so I always got the hand-me-downs. And luckily, we were all roughly the same size. Right. So that that was helpful. But, you know, sometimes you run into, if you're one of the ones and like, oh, well, my pants are a little short or a little long. And, and, and yeah, you're right. You, you, your clothes may not look good. And unfortunately, sometimes you you get made fun of. But I like how you uh, you innovated and you decided, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to do something different. Uh, and did you ever get to the point of being the well-dressed man in school where you were making clothes for other people? No, I never did anything like that. Um, uh, and I in and, and, and the folks that I hung around, um, the my best friends, they all dressed, too. So I had a clique of guys who who saw things the same way and we always wanted to look nice. But uh, no, never make anything for anyone else. I just, it was a dream to try to be this big designer. But in reality, that you got to get lucky or you got to be a person who's already a star with money to do that. Sure. Because in essence, a designer may make 25, 30 bucks an hour, right? right? And so unless you own the company, own the franchise, you're just going to make what a normal person makes in life, right? So... So did you ever go uh, go and pursue fashion design beyond like high school? Did you try to go to college for it? No. So I went to I went to the American College for Applied Arts for it. Mm. So that's the same school that Sidney Poitier's daughter graduated from. Okay. She was a senior when I got there. And most people have to understand fashion design is a two year degree. Right. You don't have to mm -hmm. go for four. And because everything's cut out. Right. You don't do high level math. Right. You do a basic math. Right. And that's just with measuring, right? You're gonna mm -hmm. use a serger, baby lock, things like that. And so you either transition to men's or women's. And so for me, I thought it was my dream, but it wasn't. So I never pursued it after college. I ended up going to work when, when I left Atlanta and came back here working at the nuclear power plant. And then where'd you go from there? So you, you went down to Atlanta and you did, did that for how long? How long were so, you down there? So, so that's two years. Okay. Just, then you did I, that just for school. Yep. And then I come back, right. And there was a job I, I worked. I don't know if it was a factory or something. Mm. And then I went into uh, DC cook, had an outage. I started working nuclear power for years and I stayed on the road for probably almost 10 years. Wow. Yeah. And when did you realize, did, did you realize that was your dream then to, to, to work and do the stuff you're doing and have been doing for many years of, you know, what is power plant or working uh, in engineering now, what at Whirlpool. So uh, did you, have you found your, your dream thing? Have you followed your dream? You know what? Life is many paths, right? It's, 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 it's a straight road. It's, it's hilly. It's curvy. Um, and working at Whirlpool is, is it. This is it for me. Uh, I love what I do. Um, you know, to segue back from w when I started Nuclear Power, mm -hmm. I got into that because it was good money. You know, you had a lot of overtime and then I can go travel. So now I was able to even go see the world, so to speak. Right. 
So I worked in all those states, almost 25 states, worked overseas. So it was great, right? And I didn't have to join the army, not putting the army down or anything like that, but I, I got to be all I can be, right? Sure. Doing nuclear power. And then after um, nuclear power, I had uh, a kidney transplant. And actually April 15th of this year would be my 25 year for my transplant anniversary. Wow. So that's how I got into Whirlpool because I wanted to choose health over wealth, right? It's not about the money when you need to settle down. And in nuclear power, right. you're working six, seven days a week, 10, right. 12 hour days. And so that's how I ended up at, at Whirlpool. And, and then I just started working at research and engineering where we did a lot of ideation, a lot of creating things that the things that I like to do from, you know, as a kid, mm -hmm. uh, from nuclear power. And I took all those attributes and just kept following my dream within Whirlpool. And I just kept moving around, moving around. Now I'm in KitchenAid. And so uh, hopefully this is my last hurrah about of, of moving, moving within the company. But no, I enjoy what I do. I enjoy, you know, thinking outside of the box, uh, being creative, um, making ideas come to life. So what I think I found my niche. That's great. When did you uh, when did you meet your wife? You know, I met my wife, but my my wife, uh, I knew her ever since high school, seventh and eighth grade. OK, but I, we, we never dated. Really? No, we never dated. Um, um, uh, Cindy rode the bus with me and things like that. But, you know, she was just a regular person that I said, hey, how you doing, Cindy? Sure. Um, but sometimes life comes back around. And so I was working um, after I had the transplant. I did a, a one plus one pro program uh, at LMC where you go to LMC for mm -hmm. a year and then you transfer to the UP for a water and, and waste chemistry degree. And so I was passing by her street one day and I happened to see her and I said, hey, how you been? You know, and at that time I was dating someone. So I just, you know, kept it like, hey, classmate, how you doing? Sure. Yeah. And uh, and after after I got out, out of the relationship with the other person, I happened to be riding past again and the rest is history. So that's been a while ago, you know, and we got married in uh, 2001. And so it's been, a, it's been a while, but you know, that's how, how we met. So you passed across many times and then I think you realized at a certain point, maybe this is happening for a reason and maybe we're supposed to be together. You, you know, you, we didn't date and, in school but i think our paths crossing there's something going on there oh yeah the universe works in mysterious ways uh and and some sometimes you just have to to, to let it come in so you have uh from what it sounds like a very uh you know not only a, a mathematical and science and engineering kind of mind but you also have a creative mind which i love of being able to meld the two together uh what would you say is one of your biggest accomplishments i'm not talking you know you could it could be something from work but what about life obviously kidney transplant and, and getting through that that's a pretty big accomplishment but what's another big accomplishment in your life you know what i, I think i think the major accomplishment for me is to volunteer mm. i've been volunteering over 25 years um and that volunteering led me to be on the Ben Harbor School Board. And so for me, um, just to go out and cheerlead and lead to save my district, 
because at that time, you know, I've been, I was on the board of education for 10 years. Mm. And during that time, I was board president probably four times out of the 10 years, maybe five. Um, and as we got ready to get taken over by the state many times, I was there for the fight. So for me, my greatest achievement is is volunteering and and and, and help to helping to save my district. You know, keeping the life alive mm-hmm. uh, for the tigers. And now it's up to to friends, families, and the community to keep it safe. But I I you know I, I tell people I'm like a turtle. I'm hard on the outside, soft on the inside, but willing to stick my neck out for you. I love that. Uh, that's almost that could almost be the the mascot for Benton Harbor. But I think Benton Harbor. I think not only the school but uh, the community that the mascot of the tiger is such a fitting mascot because just like whether it be Rocky or just the actual tiger itself, it's it's a fighting community. It's one of those that is always it's never going to go down uh, and not go down easy. But it, I love. That's one thing I love the most about Benton Harbor and everybody I meet that's from Benton Harbor and born and raised and, and been in the community is that the passion is so, so strong for for the community and the community they love. And, and it's great people like you uh, and the many people in Benton Harbor that that make it happen. You know what? I, I appreciate that because, um, you know, if you look at my background drop, that's why I put that there today. Right. Yeah. Because because I'm, I'm, I'm an 87 graduate and it doesn't matter if our, if our school is in and having issues right now and, and we're trying to resurrect it. I'm going to always uh, respect my alma mater and I'm going to always make sure I do everything to fight to keep it alive. Because I think I think our students deserve it mm-hmm. and we have to help children. It's not about the grownups. Right. It's about the people after us. And so my mission and vision for the last 25 years was to make sure that I be a part of that and make sure that I was not hurtful, but helpful in helping my community as well as my school be the best that it can be. What's a, what's a lesson that you learned uh, in life? Do you have, do you have kids by the way? I didn't ask that question. Yeah, I have kids. So, so I have four kids. I have two biological, two step kids. So, uh, when I got married, we had the Brady Bunch. Everybody came together. And, uh, you know, their ages are 29. Uh, two are 32 years old. Okay. And the other's 34. So four kids, they're all grown. Um, I'm sitting in an empty house. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, and my my boys were dropped off to me when they were six and eight. So I had to, to raise them. So, and th- this happened right after I had the transplant. I was just out the hospital. Their mother came and and says, you take the kids, and she drove off. And wow. so I raised them, but you know, that's what you do. That's why, why it's called two parents, right? Mm-hmm. And if one goes, the other one's supposed to take the helm. So it, it's a, it was a great life lesson. Um, and it's great to have a Brady Bunch type family, yeah. right? Because now you talk about diversity, mm-hmm. wow. And, and you know, now you gotta try to get along with the other kids. Your kids already love you, but now how do you work with the other kids? But since I volunteer with kids and everything for all these years, I already knew how to gel it. And it's it worked out and 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 I love them to death. That's awesome. Yeah. And like you said, when especially 
when families come together and and they're different ages and you know if they're that six eight they've already started to sort of figure things out and and go about life in their own way or their own direction or maybe how someone else has been teaching them and then you bring them into this this family and things might change or right. people may butt heads but I, I love that and I love uh, you know combining families and and everybody just working together and I think it worked for you because you're a problem solver. That's it. That's yeah. as simple as, as as raising a family is just let's solve the problems. Let's, whether we need to solve the problems personally or uh, work together to solve a problem. Well, and you're right. You know, in the real world, no matter what we go through, if there's a problem, we have to figure out a solution. Yeah. And so figuring out solutions, right, is always debate. And when you have debate, we'll have resolve. And so you're right. I, that's that's my critical thought, my critical thinking. And so I, I know that we can always work things out if we just sit down and talk about it. I love that. What I What is something that absolutely excites you right now? Wow. You know what excites me uh, right now mm -hmm. is uh, robotics. Ooh. I switch it up a gear because I'm, I'm, I'm a mentor for the robotics team slash coach. Mm. Uh, been doing that with Ben Harbor has their robotics team. I think this is our 17th year, right? Wow. So we were the first in the area to start first robotics. Mm -hmm. uh, if you look at the three counties, Van Buren County was first uh, tech center and Ben Harbor was second. And so we have, we have uh, numbers on our robots. Like we're team 1940 tech mm -hmm. tigers. And so that's a world number, right? Because first robotics is across the world. And so when we go to competitions, you know, other students would say, man, they, that's a one of the beginning teams, you know? So whether we win or lose, um, my job is always to teach young people uh, science, technology, engineering, and math. Yeah. Because as a whole, the United States, we're at the bottom. So how do we uh, up our game, if you will, with STEM, but not only that, I want to take students that need help, mm -hmm. that want help, and some want to be engineers, some want to uh, be in management, sales, marketing, whatever yeah. it may be, but how do we give them something that they haven't had? It's sometimes it's the exposure, and sometimes kids in different communities have lack of exposure. And so I'm always so happy about robotics because uh, 2019, we won the Chairman's Award. That's oh, the wow. biggest award for FIRST Robotics, period. It doesn't matter about state or, or, or national. When you win the Chairman's Award, you're the best of the best. And so awesome. the Tech Tigers, we brought that home in 2019. And we're just a small ragtag team. But, you know, it's almost like the Bad News Bears, right? Right. You know, you look and say, man, they got a small team. But guess what? We show up and we show out. So robotics i'm excited because mm -hmm. we're back um the mission has never changed it's just to engage our students in a different way and we're finally back from COVID, right mm -hmm. they're allowing us to play so we're ready to go and and we'll see everyone march at saint joseph high school right we're ready ready to roar so that's what that. i'm excited about I'm, I'm excited about that too and honestly jealous uh that you know even 
I, I didn't go to school too long ago, but we didn't have anything uh, like robotics in, in my school. Do you wish that you had a program like that when you were growing up? Do you think that could have maybe changed your trajectory a little bit? Oh, my gosh. If, if I had that, I would have been an engineer right off the bat. Because, yeah. I mean, you know, these are the things that for hands-on project-based learning, this is where it's at. And, you know, we started Lego League years ago, and, and, and then we resurrected that probably about three years ago. Um, and we started a seventh and eighth grade league. And so, you know, matter of fact, I'm getting ready to I have a, 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 another person, a volunteer from Whirlpool, and mm. we're getting ready to go teach some coding here. I just started a, a, a 4-H. I got approved uh, for a 4-H club. And cool. so I just got my approval letter yesterday. So now I want to go back into the schools and we're going to start some coding too. So I want to constantly help. I'm, I'm not on the board anymore, but guess what? I'm still volunteering. That's great. I love that. I love that you're doing that because I think volunteering is just it's such an important thing that everybody should find time to do. Uh, and whether it's something volunteering that's in line with what they're doing in their career or just something else that they're passionate about, I think taking the time and giving a little bit of your time, I think is such a, a wonderful and important thing to do. Yes, it is. So tell me now, uh, what is, since I've learned so much about you uh, in this short time that we've had a conversation, What's something that people should know about you, Joseph? Wow. What people should know about Joseph is that uh, uh, he's a fighter. He loves people. He loves to talk. <laughs> um, he loves stories. Um, but most importantly, Joseph just wants to, to help. And I've been doing that for 25 years. and. Hopefully, you know, people appreciate the help that I've tried to give. You know, you told me how much you love stories and you love telling stories. Is there a story that you want to tell that we didn't maybe get to? I want to I want to hear uh, all of the one of these stories that everybody at work always talks about and says that you should write a book. So tell, do you have a story that you could share? You know what? I wasn't. I wasn't even thinking about that. Even though you know I love those stories, mm -hmm. um, wow! I should have you know I should have studied. I should have <laughs> maybe had something in the in my back pocket, and uh, I can't right now. I I can't think of something off the bat. Mm. Bat that that I would think about a story. Um, I don't know. It's all all kinds of stories. Uh, mm. Oh, I have a story. Okay. Um, and, and so I, I, so I was in band as well. So, mm. um, you know, we call the, the marching band at Benton Harbor, the TMB Tiger marching band. And so we had a, uh, a band concert at St. Joe. So, so the competitions used to be at St. Joseph high school okay. before they went to Niles and then they went to Lakeshore. Right. Um, mm -hmm. and so this was a, a grading of the bands, right. For marching bands. Sure. So it's raining and we're doing the quick step. I fall down in the rain, get back up because we're trained to be perfectionists back then. Mm -hmm. And I am playing so loud that I'm louder than the majority of the band. So when we get back from the competition and then Mr. Jones, Mr. Troy Jones was our band instructor. 
Shout out to him. I love him to death. Um, and we, we're reviewing the tape. And I remember the judges stating, I don't know who it is, but that trombonist is blowing out the band. He's so loud. And I, we got a one. But, you know, okay. but I said first chair and in, 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 in band, right? Mm -hmm. I wasn't, wasn't going to give up my chair. And and I would always, I was a pretty good band player that, you know, could have went to college for it. So that was a great story. And, and I was so proud, right? I shouldn't have yeah. been playing that loud, but I was proud to hear hear my hear the judge announce that the trombonist, who was me, right, was blowing out the band, you know. And so, awesome. you know, because you always want to see who can play the loudest. Oh, of course. Especially when it's competition, you're gonna do that. So, so did the band get the one, or was it you that got the one? No, the band got the one because that was a a marching band competition yep. and not solo and ensemble. But right. I did get ones when I went to solo and ensemble too. And I think that used to take place, uh, I think it was three, I forgot. I think that school district is not around anymore, but it, we used to go there for like a, uh, for mm. the solo and ensemble. Do you still play? You know what? I can pick up the trombone and still sound pretty good, but I really, okay. I really don't pick it up, you know, but I want to teach my grandson, uh, since I do have a trombone available and mm -hmm. coronet at the house, I want to just teach him before he ever touches an instrument. And so maybe I can brainwash him into playing the trombone versus something else. There you go. Yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah. Get it, get it in their hands early and they'll, they'll fall in love with it. And if you're playing it, they're going to want to be like you. Right. Joseph, if you were, and as much as you love telling stories and, and people said that you should write a book, I always like to ask this question to everybody. If you were to write a book about you, an autobiography, what would you title it? Hmm. If I can write a book, what would I title it? Mm -hmm. I think I would title it No Guts, No Glory. Ooh, I like that. That's probably a title that's taken, but why not? You, It's your title as well. Yeah, because because in this world, you have to have enough intestinal fortitude to do what it takes, right? And everything takes guts. And I think oftentimes uh, people, we just don't have enough guts to do it, right? You know, we're, we're, we're laxy days ago. But for mm -hmm. me, you know, even when I stood before the board, you know, met with our governor, our mm -hmm. state treasurer. I always had the guts. I had the intestinal fortitude to do what it take. And so for me, the title of my autobiography, No Guts, No Glory. I love that. Joseph, I have had such a wonderful time getting to know you, hearing some of your stories and, and knowing that there's wonderful people like you right here in our community of Southwest Michigan. Thank you so much again, for reaching out uh, and taking some time to chat with me. You know what, Mr. Reinhardt, I wanna thank you for creating a show like this that's gonna allow folks from Southwest of Michigan to start from the beginning and tell their story. But as, as we all continue to tell our story, we hope that the stories can be impactful and helpful to others in the community and hopefully I, I've said something today that will uh, touch someone um, and, and get them out to volunteering, right? Mm -hmm. So that if we save one person, we can save the world. I think we'll end on that. That's a great way to end. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir.
Thank you for listening to Start from the Beginning, Stories from Southwest Michigan. Special thanks to our guests for telling their stories. And if you have a story to tell, I'd love to hear more. Please reach out to me by emailing letstalk at wsjm.com. That's letstalk at wsjm.com. You can listen to this podcast and all the episodes wherever you like to listen to podcasts. And be sure to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. This is a Midwest Family Production. I'm Johnny Reinhardt. Join me next time for another great story on Start from the Beginning, Stories from Southwest Michigan.